Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Power Talk. and on this episode I'm actually quite excited because uh, I have someone that I've listened to their podcast I think from front to back I've listened to every episode and every episode is as good as the previous episode I've kind of listened to so this week I'm joined by Rob from How Haunted hello there Rob hiya good to be here Yes, uh, finally I get you on an uh, on an episode of Paratalk. Uh, I'm I'm quite excited because uh, I discovered your podcast. Uh, it must have been about a month ago, and I was yeah. totally hooked. So I think my first question is, where did it come from? Because it's quite new, isn't it? But it came about because I mean, if I go back to the very beginning, I mean, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. That interest's been huge over the last twenty years. But starting a podcast was never something that I'd considered doing. About 18 months ago, I started writing completely off topic for a retro Sega games magazine Okay. called Sega Mania. Um, it's a physical magazine that, that we put together, and we started doing a podcast for that back in January. So it's a, a podcast about Sega games, but a couple of times I ended up talking about ghost stories, uh, but purely because conversations went off on tangents, and people seemed to like them, and people would email in and say, we want more ghost stories. So I thought, well... If people want it, well, I don't know, just see if I can do it. What's the worst that can possibly happen? So I set about thinking, okay, well, there's an awful lot of paranormal podcasts out there. What would I want from a paranormal podcast? Mm. And what can I do that doesn't necessarily set me apart from the others, but would draw people to listen to me over the other podcasts that are out there? And I I, I gave it a go. As I say, I maybe set two months aside to think about what I was going to do, plan out the episodes and get a bank of about five started before I, I began because I've been releasing one a week and it's quite difficult to keep that up on top of yeah real life stuff. Having a, a show ready every week and published every week, yeah. it, it's a lot of work, especially if you have to work yeah. as well and you've got other things in your life going yeah. on. I have to say that your episodes, you they're very informative. It's not just you re- relaying a story. You really do your research. I mean, how how much time and effort does that take? I mean, it must be a lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, my first, some of the episodes I've done, I already know an awful lot about the location. So my first episode was like Greyfriars Kirkyard. Then I did the Castle Keep in Newcastle. Yeah. And I was surprised. I don't think there's any other podcasts out there that have covered that location. Then I did Chillingham Castle up in Northumberland. And they're three locations that I know an, I knew an awful lot about to begin with. I've written about them. I've written about all three in books that I've done. So I had quite a wealth of, of research to fall back on to, to begin with. But what I, I do also try and do is if I've investigated a location, then I'll include that report and talk about what happened when I was there. But if I haven't, I'll try and talk to somebody who has. And I'll also I'll always try and talk to, to staff at the place or visitors to the to the location to get first hand experiences that you're not going to hear anywhere else. So a, a lot of a lot of time and effort does go into each episodes um dare i say probably too much but if a job's worth doing it's it's worth doing well and and as you say I, I don't really just want to regurgitate like reading through a website or reading through wikipedia i want to give people full rounded view of every location that i talk about so i go into to the detail of the history and and, and make sure that background's there then i talk about the ghost stories and the the, the hauntings of the the location and then, as I say, I'll always try and do something a little bit different, be it talking through an investigation I did or chatting to somebody who has been there when I haven't. You mentioned um, authoring books and writing books. 
Where did mm-hmm. that come from? I mean, because I know you've got an interest in the paranormal, but where did the the original interest to put sort of ghost books together? Where did where did that come from? I mean, I put a website together originally back in the mid two thousands, maybe two thousand and three, two thousand and four. A few of my friends said, "Oh, like the the report you put together on the back of the investigations that we've done are really good. Have you thought about writing a book?" And I said, oh, "I can't write a book. What are you talking about?" But then. Once, it was definitely a Sunday, one Sunday, there wasn't anything on TV. And I, I got thinking, you know what, why can't I write a book? So I sent an email purely by chance off to a few like historical publishers yeah. who, who specialize previously released books about paranormal or about local history. Just said, look, I've got an idea for a book. Would you be interested? And then I got chatting to a lady called Matilda at the History Press who said, well, all right, fill in this form send us a couple of examples of the kind of things that you're thinking about from a chapter point of view and, and let's have a conversation. And then uh, maybe a month later, I'd signed a contract to write a book called Ghostly Northumberland. This was in 2007 and it was published in 2008. But before that first book was even published, she came back to me and said, do you want to do any more? So before my first book had even been published, I had a contract in place to write three more after that about Tynan Weir, County Durham and Cumbria. But what I always wanted to do was, and those books focused on the history and the hauntings, a bit like the the first part of my website, really, the history part of it. Yeah. But what I always wanted to do was write a book which almost followed me on an adventure. So I would put together a team and we'd go off and investigate some of the, in air quotes, most haunted. Um, and I spoke to them about that after they'd done those initial four books. And they said, well, that, that isn't really something we'd be interested in doing. We're more interested in the history and the the stories than than the actual paranormal investigation. But I spoke to a different publisher called Amberley Publishing. And I had a conversation with them and said, look, what I'd love to do. Um, and this is what really happened. I said, I'd love to write a book where I investigate 10 of the most haunted places in the UK. Yeah, I take a couple of weeks off work. And it'll be almost like a diary, like one after another. And they were interested in the concept, but they said from a marketing point of view, doing the whole of the UK would just be too expensive. So why didn't I pick a city? So I immediately said, well, you know what? I can't really choose between York and Edinburgh. And they said, well, do both. So I wrote Ghosts of York, where me and um, a small team of my, my friends really went and investigated 10 of the most haunted places in York. And I wrote that almost like a blog before blogs were a thing. And then I did Edinburgh the following year. That came out in 2014, I think, where I did eight of the most haunted places in Edinburgh. So I did I did Mary King's Close twice. And I did the Edinburgh Vaults and the Edinburgh Dungeon and a whole host of other places. Um, and we, had a, we made a real adventure of it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've loved writing those books. Most of me royalties goes to charity. So it's not like it's something that I've done to for a living or anything like that. It's more of a, a hobby. It's a really good concept, that kind of format where you go out and you do an investigation and you kind of document it. Yeah. and do, You're basically taking the reader on a journey of your investigations and whatever evidence you find. And I've, one of my favorite authors, of course, Peter Underwood, the late, great Peter Underwood, one of my favorite books he wrote was uh, Nights in Haunted Houses. Okay. Uh, I, that's still one of my favorite books and very similar to what mm-hmm. you're talking about. It's a collection of his well-known uh, investigations, which he's put together, obviously, in a book and, you know, presents it uh, as uh, his, you know, his thing. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was going to ask you that mm-hmm. listening through your um, episodes, the one of the main ones that really caught me was, and of course, 
a lot of people that listen to the paratalk they'll know that i love castles i love castles and i love manor houses mm-hmm. and uh with chilling of course chilling on my castle yeah i mean you actually did an investigation there i've done i've done two two mm-hmm. i mean what was that like it's an incredible place it really is it's it's such a strange place it's out in the middle of nowhere it's so remote as soon as you get through the gate into the castle grounds your mobile phone signal's gone the whole place has just got a real i'll sum it up best by quoting one of my friends when we were there doing the investigation i remember asking him what do you think of the castle and he said even if you didn't believe in ghosts you'd still say this place is haunted because it just looks <laughs> yeah. it, it it's the classic archetypal haunted castle and i've done two investigations there and the first investigation i did which is the one that's documented on the 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 podcast i did release a patreon episode which follows on from that episode so that's episode 3 of the podcast and i released a patreon episode on the same day which follows on from that and it covers the investigation i did more recently in 2015 along with audio from the actual investigation so rather than me just telling people what happened they can hear it for themselves but the first investigation i did there in 2005 probably left me with the most compelling evidence i've ever had for there being something going on something that i can't explain to this day even though it was what 18 years ago it's a lot of history there though isn't there yeah i mean chillingham castle that it is such a, a dark place. I mean, during uh, during the, the time of the Anglo-Scottish Wars, when they were at each other's throats, it's so close to the border that there was the constant threat of attack from the Scots. And yeah. you can tell, I mean, even even if you had to visit that place now, yeah, I mean, if you go into the oubliette, like the little dungeon and look down the grate, mm. and you can see the skeleton of the little girl staring back up at you, and that's a real skeleton. Yeah. It's such a remarkable place. And it's it's very difficult to get to do an investigation there. When I did mine in 2015, they were only allowing two private investigations every year. The only other way you can do an investigation is by turning up and joining their investigation that they have organized yeah. throughout the year. And that that's fairly easy to get onto, but you're with a whole group of people who you, you don't necessarily know. And if somebody says, I've seen something or I've just been touched, you're taking it on face value from somebody who you've just you don't know whereas i much prefer to go in a small group of people who i know so if somebody says something i know whether i can believe that person wholeheartedly as to to whether they genuinely have or they haven't so it's um it's it's an incredible place it's an incredible place anybody who's not been who can get to northumberland it's one of those places that photographs just don't do it justice you have to see it with your own eyes i was gonna ask you as you've been there more than once, I've been to Dover Castle and other places, but with that place, it's there's a feeling when you go in there. Yeah. Maybe maybe the history, maybe because of the age, uh, as you say, that what's most probably gone on there. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a kind of feeling when you go in there. You can kind of feel the history, can't you? You definitely can. And, I mean, it, it's one of these places where they haven't tried to make it look anything like other other than what it is. I mean, if you go to Barnborough Castle or Annick Castle, they're all lovely. This is a castle which has seen some horrible stuff and you can tell it. You can just by looking at it, just by walking around, you can sense the horrible atmosphere that it has. And I think going in, I've been there a lot of times. It was, I first visited it in 2002, 20 years ago now. No exaggeration, it was 
probably the place that made me want to do paranormal investigations more than any other. It drew me in and it made me want to experience that location after dark. And it took us three years to make that happen. Yeah, it, it's it's a phenomenal place. When you go on an investigation mm -hmm. and you have a group of people yeah. and you're all like-minded, do you have a, a certain set of protocols in place where if someone experiences something or sees something or hears something that you've got some way to document it where it can be catalogued in a way that uh you know that you can you can notate it and you know put it to say well that was this or that was that yeah i mean uh the one thing i've started i say started doing i've been doing it for at least a decade now is i'll always take two digital voice recorders with us a minimum of two yeah so i've always got one with us so if somebody was to say i've just seen something or i've just heard something i know exactly what they said because i've got it there documented and i know exactly what time it was because i'll always make sure that i mention the time when somebody is to say that and then it, I, as i say i've generally got two or three voice recorders on the go at any one time and the beauty of having those recordings is now i've got that audio i'm turning it into podcast episodes which i'm putting out on patreon because i mean it's some of the stuff on there is gold dust I've been listening yeah. back to the one an investigation I did at Edinburgh Vaults at ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, almost exactly a decade ago. Um, I've been listening back through that the last couple of days because I'm doing an episode on that. When we were in investigations, we'll always speak up, no matter how outlandish it is, what we think we've seen or what we've we've heard or what we felt, and it's always captured on the audio. And I'll always the first thing I do when I get back from an investigation, even if it's five o'clock in the morning, is I'll sit and type like write up my notes because I'm taking notes throughout the evening. Edinburgh Vaults. Mm -hmm. um, now, that, that's a place where a lot of people have had experiences, mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's got that kind of whole paranormal thing about it. Have you ever experienced anything down there? I've done, the, I've done an investigation there once for two hours on a Saturday morning, because uh, speaking to the people who run it, Mercat Tours, and the book I was writing was for charity. So they said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll help you out. You can do it on a Saturday morning before we open to the public. And um, I mean, this is a bit of a spoiler for when episode 10 of my podcast comes out in a few weeks time. But yeah, it was one of the most active investigations I've ever done. It had two hours. First hour went by and nothing happened at all. Second hour, mm -hmm. we got out the spirit box or Frank's box, as we called them at the time which currently, yeah. which is forever scanning through AM frequencies, scanning, scanning, yeah. scanning. And I wandered off and, and left the other, there was four of us, I left the other three to it, and I went off exploring. And when I came back, um, I heard um, one of me, one of the guys, Rich, say, oh, I said it again. And I said, what did it say? And he turned around and told us to F off. I said, all right, well, what, all right. what have I done? And he said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. We've been having a conversation with somebody, and every question we ask, no matter what it is, that's what we're being told to do. And I looked at them thinking they were winding us up. So I said, what is your name? Clear as day, that's what we got back through the Frank's box. We asked some questions. We're like, "What's? how old are you? How did you die? And we're getting the same thing back. And eventually I said, no, I'll tell you what, you F off. We're not going anywhere. You're not powerful enough to do anything. If you want us to leave, you're going to have to make us leave. And then my brother, who was with us, Tom, he said, did it just say which? And I said, no, it said watch. 
and then we got no more communication at all through the Frank's box. But as soon as we moved into the next room, a stone whizzed past our heads and smashed off the wall at the far end of the room. And for the remainder of the time in there, we were getting th stones thrown at us. There was one went past my head and it was so close it almost hit me ear when it was going past. The whole time we were down there, and the problem was we were locked in. We couldn't even get out. The whole time we were down there after that, it, there was just stones flying around all over the place. It was it was crazy. Wow, it was crazy. And we were stood perfectly still because I was saying, well, look, there's, there's loose stones on the ground. Let's. We'll always try and rationalize. We'll never jump to, yeah. it's a ghost. No matter what happens, it's always a case of, right, okay, well, what is it? No idea what happened. It was incredible. As I say, that episode's coming out the week after me, me big Halloween spooktacular. Um, but it's Edinburgh Vaults. I'll never forget that morning. As I say, it was almost exactly a decade ago I did it. It was the beginning of November 2012. What was your first investigation where you went somewhere and you experienced something? I'm wondering, how did that make you feel when you actually experienced something and you just couldn't, you couldn't say, oh, well, you know, this was that or this was that? Um, I mean, my first ever investigation, if this hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here right now having this conversation with your good self, but... My first ever investigation was Halloween 2002. So it was almost exactly 20 years ago, um, which has kind of right. given me age away a little bit. But I, it came, it was purely by chance. It was one of those serendipitous moments. I was working at the Inland Revenue at the time. And I used to record a radio show that, because the job I did, you couldn't talk to the person sitting next to you, but you could listen to music or the radio or whatever you wanted. Okay. What I used to do right. is there was a local radio show on called Night Owls, which was on Metro Radio, and the bloke who ran it, Alan Robson, did it for about 40 years. And he's a he's a legend up here in the Northeast. And he used to do big go shows. And what he I used to record Night Owls onto some cassettes and listen to them on my walk when in work because I preferred to listen to people talk and then listen to music. And yeah. when it when it was getting up to Halloween, he said, for this year's Halloween show. What I want to do is I want anybody who wants to be involved in the, the big Halloween special to write a letter, a good old-fashioned letter on paper, send it to us and tell us why I should pick you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick 10 people and I'm going to send them to a location and you're going to be our on-the-spot investigators. This was a huge show. Alan Robson's Night Owls was the most listened-to talk show outside of London. And I wrote a letter in because I thought I'd just graduated from university. I've got a few friends from university who I know would be up for it. This could be brilliant. This could be a real adventure. Because yeah. I had been interested in the paranormal when I was a, when I was young, but I hadn't done anything with that beyond reading about it and, and looking at stuff in the newspapers and, and having a keen interest. This was an opportunity, in my opinion, to actually do something. So I wrote a letter, and a few days later on the show, he said, oh, I've had 5,000 letters so far, and I'm going to pick the best 10. And I thought, well, I stand absolutely no chance. But I got home from work a few days later, and there was a letter waiting for us, and it had the Metro Radio postmark on it. And I thought, no, it can't be. And when I opened it, <laughs> I can almost imagine what Charlie must have felt like when he opened that bar of chocolate and saw that golden ticket glinting in the in the yeah. wrapper because it was a handwritten letter to me from Alan Robson and I was one of the 10 who'd been picked and he sent me off to a lake in well over near over towards um Carlisle way in a place called Brant Brampton called Talk and Tarn 
And yeah. the previous month, so September of 2002, it was in the local newspaper over there that 20 people or 25 people had seen the bloody apparition of a woman in broad daylight walk out of the lake and then disappear. And it made the local newspaper. So he wanted us to go and check it out. So I rounded up a few of my friends and we went and investigated at Halloween 2002. I mean, to come back to your point about the first investigation where something happened, nothing really happened. But that really piqued my interest and made me want to do yeah. more. So the next investigation I did after that was at the Castle Keep in Newcastle um, in early 2003. And in that investigation, there were things that happened that I couldn't quite get my head around. Um, I've mentioned this on the episode that I did about the Castle Keep, but we caught a scream before I even really knew what EVPs were. We recorded a scream that seemed to come from within the castle, although we couldn't be 100% sure. Um, I saw things. It was a real, really, really interesting evening. Was that the investigation with the with the curtains? No, that was Chillingham Castle. That was 2005. I mean, that's happening with the curtains. That was probably the first investigation where something happened where, to this day, I can't explain it. I can't say, well, it might have been this or it might have been that. I, I don't know. I've no idea how that could have happened. So... Just to recap, let the listeners know, because it is a really scary thing that you experienced. Um, so Chillingham Castle, this was December 2005, so it was a long time ago. And I remember it like it was it was only yesterday. It's so vivid. And I, had, I, I saw one of my friends in the pub a couple of weeks ago who was there that night. He was listening to the podcast and he says, oh, the, the thing about the curtain, I, I still remember that now. But what happened was we were in the chapel there was a guy who worked at the castle called Bob. When we initially got there, he said, he, he said, oh, I'll talk to them, you know. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, the ghosts. I can talk to them. So if you need something to happen, give me a shout and I'll come and see if I can make something happen for you. And I'm like, oh, okay, Bob. And then it got to three o'clock in the morning or something like that. It was early in the morning and nothing had happened. So I gave Bob a shout and said, look, Bob, we've been here for hours and, and, and it's really quiet. Let's see if you can can help stir something up. And we got into the chapel and I was just about to say to, the, to Bob, look, we need to go. It's getting on at four o'clock in the morning. I've got to drive home. Yeah. And I hadn't even had a chance to speak. And Bob said, oh, he said, hang on. He said, there's a, a spirit entered the room here called Eric. He's 12 or 13 years old. And the, the tragic thing about Eric is he doesn't realize he's dead. He's walking around the castle looking for his parents who were killed here. Eric likes to play tricks on people and let, let people know that he's around. And what he does is he moves this curtain. So in the chapel, if you're looking out towards the, to the left hand, if you're sitting in the chapel, looking out towards where the coffee shop is, you've got the great hall on your left hand side and you've got a big heavy curtain in front of you, which leads to a balcony. And then if you go down the steps to that balcony, you're in where the, the, the cafe is during the day. And he says, oh, he moves this curtain. And it's a really thick, heavy curtain. And no sooner had Bob said this, that the five of us who were there all saw this curtain move into the room. Not a breeze blowing it, but slowly, methodically, as if somebody was behind it, pushing it gradually until it was in the room with us, hanging down. But it was in the room so far that the bottom of the curtain was no longer touching the floor. And then it slowly went level again. And I could see behind the curtain, there was nobody there. Everybody who was in the castle was in that room with us, us and Bob, there was nobody else there. And then it did it again, slowly went level again, and then it did nothing else. 
And we sat and watched this curtain waiting for it to happen again, and it just hung perfectly still. And I, I can't explain it. Um, to this day, I've, I've no idea how that happened. I mean, when I was driving home, I was thinking maybe put like rigged something up so that Bob can press a button and it makes the curtain move or, or something like that. But I mean, I've never even heard of anybody else experiencing that. When you experience something like that and you can actually see with your own eyes yeah. and your 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 whole process, your whole mental process mm-hmm. is like, what am I, what am I experiencing? Is I this real? Am I imagining? Is this a hallucination? I know. But um, what I was going to say was um, you've been on enough investigations and you've had enough experience of things and you've written about a lot of these things. Mm. If I was to say to you, Rob, what do you think a ghost is? You know, where would you go with that? It's a hell of a question. Um, I suppose to strip it back to a little bit, um, I mean, the question, I guess, is do I believe in ghosts? Yeah. Um, and I don't really know how to answer that question. You're right. I've done a lot of investigations now over the last couple of decades, and I've seen things that I can't explain. A lot of things that I can't explain, and I've I've heard and ex- and felt a lot of things that I can't explain. But at the same time, if ghosts are real, I'm not sure I know what they are because I buy into say the t- the stone tape theory that yeah. the reason that a lot of people might say that old buildings seem to be haunted is because of the um, like the iron or whatever's in the rock somehow recording the events of the past and replaying them. But at the same time, I've been on investigations such as my second investigation at Chillingham Castle, where I would say, ask a question and ask for a knock in response and get a knock immediately back. And that that can't be a replay because that almost seems to be an intelligent response. So I don't know. I really don't know. I think the thing that fascinates me about ghosts is I'm not convinced in my lifetime we'll ever know 100% if they do exist. Because it's not black or white. No. It, it isn't black or white. If somebody was to say, uh, like, does this this exist or does that exist? It's fairly straightforward normally to say yes or no. But with the paranormal, it's a grey area. I believe there is something going on, but I don't think I'll ever truly understand what is going on in my lifetime. I had a conversation recently with somebody, I can't remember who it was, who said that they do think that in their lifetime, so in the next, say, 40, 50 years, this will be solved. People, scientists or whoever, will work out what's going on and why people experience the things that they experience. But I'm not sure that I believe that that's likely to happen. I don't know. I don't know. It's fascinating. It really, really does. Uh, I think with with old buildings, um, you, you people say, well, you know, why why don't we ever see uh, the ghost of a, a a caveman? Yeah, or a dinosaur. Or a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they're you know, maybe we're when we pass over that we are maybe like little batteries and over time we run down. And when you see an apparition of something that does the same thing over and over all the time, that over the years, over the decades, it runs down until there's a point where you don't see it anymore. You just hear it. And it's just a, a you know, it's a, a set of footsteps instead of a, a actual person walking around. As I say, it's, it's just speculation, isn't it? It's just and everyone's got an opinion. Yeah, everyone everyone's does. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone does. So moving on a little bit, I'm I'm keen to, uh, as I say, I've 
I'm I'm a little bit addicted to your uh, to your episodes because uh, you do put a lot of effort into them. What direction are you going to go in now? I mean, are you how are you going to move forward with your podcast? Have have you got any sort of sort of idea? I, it's still. I mean, I appreciate your, your kind words, and I've had when I started doing this, I didn't expect anybody to listen, but I've had some really nice emails from people saying that they they enjoy it, and I've had some people sign up to me Patreon, even though it's I, I'm still really new to it, and there isn't an awful lot benefit to signing up to Patreon because there's only one special episode. Out. But in terms of where I'm going to take it, it's a really really good question, and I think at the moment I'm just think I've come up with a, a format that I quite like and people seem to enjoy. So I'm going to stick with that. I am making tweaks as I go. Um, but there are things that I'd love to do. Um, like I've got, I've been working on my big Halloween special, which I've put way too much time into it. I really, really have. Um, and I, a bit of a, an exclusive because it's, Halloween's not all that far away. But my Halloween no. special is going to be a ghost walk of York. So rather than focus on one location, I have, I'm going to give a little bit, like there's a little bit of background about Halloween and the um, to uh, setting the scene. Then I talk a little bit about York, what makes York so special, the fact that it, it's it got Roman, Saxon, Norman, Viking yeah. um, heritage. Then it's onto an actual audio ghost walk. And I've planned it out as a logical route that somebody, if they wanted to, could walk while listening to the podcast. And it's, cool. it's in a sensible order and they're all within walking distance of one another. So I've put a lot of time into that and I'd love to do more stuff like that. Um, what, I've all, what I'd also love to do would be to do some on the spot episodes where, say, I go to somewhere like Chillingham Castle and yeah. record an episode while I'm there. And I'd love to do something like that. I'd love to do maybe one or two episodes at some point in time where I'm doing that. And it's just me. How would you feel about going to somewhere that was like, you know, super haunted mm. or had lots of things that had happened and it was just you and a recorder and maybe a video camera and you were locked in for the night and that was it? How, how would that make you feel? Would, would that excite you or would that terrify you? Both in equal measure. I'd do it. I'd definitely do it because um, I, I know that if I didn't do it, I'd regret it. Yeah. But I'd I'd love to do that. When I did um when I did my book about York, what I wanted my big finale to be was to do something similar to that. So I don't know if you're waiting this is kind of spoiling a little bit of what's on my Halloween episode for anybody who does listen, but I don't know if you're familiar with St. Saviour's Church in York. I know of it, but I'm not familiar with all of his history now. There's a brilliant ghost story from St. Saviour's Church. It's now it got it, it's not been used as a church since the fifties. It's now an archaeological museum called Dig owned by the same people who look who do Jorvik Viking Centre. But there's a ghost story, may be true, may not be true, from the uh, early 50s. So back in the old days, there was a Viking skinned there, skinned alive by some Christians, and apparently the ghost stories now is that there's a vengeful Viking spirit who haunts this building. One of the ghost stories there is that there was a ghost hunter back in the very early 50s who wanted to do a ghost hunt there because he'd been told about this Viking. He wanted to go in and take a camera with him, take a notepad with him and see if he could find the Viking. And he said to the vicar, right. can I do a ghost hunt here? And the vicar said, well, no, of course you can't. It's a church. Um, he said, me, congr- uh, me parishioners wouldn't be happy. No, of course you can't. But this guy was stubborn and he was going along to church services and asking the vicar on every occasion he could. And eventually the vicar said, look, right. I'll let you do it, but I'm going to go home to me vicarage 
I'll lock you in for the evening and I'll come back and let you out in the morning. And the guy said, perfect, I'd love to do that. The next morning when the vicar went along, he opened the door and immediately knew something was the matter because the guy's camera was in the doorway, smashed to pieces. And he went off around the church looking for this guy and couldn't find him. And in the highest reaches of the church, he spotted him sitting on a beam, looking at him. And the vicar was like, oh, thank God. Um, I, I didn't know where you were. This guy said nothing. And when he got near him, he knew why. This guy was dead. The vicar moved to another parish. And when this guy's cause of death came back, he had been frightened to death. Wow. Brilliant story. That's... So when I did my yeah. when I did my York book, I wanted my grand finale to be me spending the night in that building on my own, locked in with no way yeah, until the next neat. morning. But sadly, they wouldn't let us do it because it's, as I say, it's a museum now and yeah. based on the stuff that's in there, I just couldn't make it work. I mean, they were... They were very nice, and we did have a conversation about it. I just couldn't make it work, but I'd love to do it. I mean, the ancient Ramin's got a, a hell of a reputation, and I spoke to Emma from the Weird Wiltshire website when I did my yes when I did my ancient Ramin episode, and and she was lovely. And I said to her at the, the, that point in time, I'd I'd spend the night in the ancient Ramin on my own if the opportunity presented itself. I was going to ask your thoughts on the Ramin. What? What's? Uh, I mean, you, you, it's uh, it's got a lot. It's very popular at the moment. Everyone's going there at the moment. Mm. Everyone's doing videos. It's my whole my whole YouTube subscription is basically the Ramin. Everybody's yeah. going there. But what's your what's your thoughts on it? Um, I'll be honest. I've never been. I should have been, but I've never been. It's it's just been one of those places I've never been able to make it work. Like if I've been down in the south, it's not now. It's no longer an inn. It's not as though you can just walk in and have a look around. You've got to yeah. book onto a tour, or book onto a ghost hunt. Yeah. So I'm just, it, it is somewhere that's on my bucket list, and it's somewhere it's that on I, your to do list. Somewhere I definitely love to go. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm very, I'm very scared. I am naturally skeptical, which is, as I say, I mean, I think you need to be because otherwise you're going to a ghost hunt or going to a haunted location, and everything's a ghost. Everything has a paranormal yeah. explanation, and I'm extra skeptical of anywhere that solely makes its living on being a haunted X, Y, or Z. So the ancient Ram has has a real reputation. And as you say, it's very much in vogue at the moment. If I look on my Twitter feed, I've seen people yeah. post some things saying, out of these locations, which one would you like to go and visit the most? And the ancient Ram way always wins. That's why I spoke to Emma when I did that episode, because I thought, you know what, I need somebody who's actually been there to give, an yeah. un- to give a fair, unbiased reflection about what happened do you think it's haunted and um, but i mean I'd, I'd i'd love to go i'd love to go and see for myself i think without having been there it's it's very difficult for me to say but it sounds as you say as though it's become a bit of a mecca for anybody who's into the paranormal to head to the ancient ram it's just a shame it's the opposite end of the country to me it is very sort of popular at the moment mm. and uh, i i must say that i've i've read and seen things of people that have that have actually had things happen to them. There's some people that say, "Well, I was assaulted, mm. I was pushed, I was punched," and other people have not actually had anything no. physical happen to them, but they've had stuff that have has emotionally happened to yeah. them. They've come away and they've been de- felt very depressed or very upset. And I'm, I'm coming to the end of this episode. What I was going to ask you was, from your end of investigations, have you ever gone anywhere and not necessarily had an experience, but but had a, more of an emotional experience where you've come away and, and felt a little bit depressed or a little bit, you know, sad or whatever, r- rather sort of rather than being affected sort of internally rather than externally. 
That's a good question. Off the top of my head, um, I would say probably Mary King's Close. Right. I came away from, I've done Mary King's Close twice when I did, when I was investigating Edinburgh. And I think the second time, because the first time we did it, we went along with a, a group called Mysteria Paranormal. And Ian Lawman, who's on the TV, he was there. He was the, the psychic for the night. And it was a huge group of people. Um, but when we did it the second time, I got us in with just us. It's it's an incredibly difficult thing to do, but there was four of us in all of Mary King's Close for ourselves. And it really did strike an emotional chord with me when I left, but I'm not going to say it was anything paranormal. I think it was more about just thinking about how bleak things must have been for anybody who lived there and some of the stories yeah. that you heard about the place. I can't say that I've been anywhere... Off, I mean, I'm, I'm, as soon as we stop talking about this, I'm probably going to think of somewhere. But I can't think of anywhere where I've inexplicably came over with with some kind of emotion of feeling sad or feeling melancholy. Um, and that's probably down to the fact that I may be doing myself a disservice by knowing the ins and outs of everywhere before I go in. Sometimes that's that's a good thing. Sometimes it, to to sort of front load yourself yeah. to a certain degree, where you go into a place and you, it's not a question of you expect something to happen. Mm. Is you kind of you know what might happen. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it's still going to be quite scary if a, a cavalier walks out of the wall and and you you witness that. Yeah. I just think that uh, there are people that go out there and they go to places and they might not experience something visual or physical but they have that kind of emotional response yeah. to it and i think maybe we've all got that maybe that's all of it in us everyone's yeah. got that it's just that some people are a little bit more sensitive mm -hmm. than others and i think my last question uh for this for this episode is what's your thoughts and your feelings on psychics and mediums have you ever worked with any when you've done investigations when I go along on investigations it's me and my small team and when i say team it's usually me brother and two friends who I've known for 20 odd years. I don't tend to look to get a medium involved. And as I say, I mean, that, that investigation I did in 2005 at Chilling Chillingham, when Bob came along and the curtain occurred, that was pure yeah. happenstance about the fact that when I got there, he was our staff for the night. And he happened to say, oh, I'll speak to, I'll speak to ghosts if you want me to do something. But I have been on investigations where there has been mediums. And I mean, I'll be completely honest. I don't buy into ninety nine point nine percent of of them. Mediums are probably unfairly judged on the fact that there are a lot that aren't for real. Unless a medium can say to me, "There's a ghost here, mm. and the ghost is going to do this," and then it happens. How do I know what they're saying is for real? It's a very difficult thing to prove. What I will say, though, yeah. is my latest episode that's just come out about the Wheat Chief Pub in Bolden up in the northeast, um, which is a a place that's kind of fallen off the radar, but it was big news back in 2004 when a whole load of stuff kicked off there. And it ended up becoming voted the most haunted pub in the UK in that year. It became the subject of a Discovery Channel documentary that was watched by something like 20 million people. I had an I interviewed the medium at the centre of those events, a lovely lady by the name of Suzanne Gill, and some of the stuff that she made happen at that pub couldn't possibly have happened unless she genuinely was tapped into something. So, 
I don't know if you if you you know the story. As I say, it was big news eighteen years ago, but it was probably bigger news in the northeast because that's where it was happening. And in in this particular pub, she went along to a charity psychic night. It's in Bolden, which is in in Tynemuir. She went along to this charity psychic yeah. night, and during the this charity psychic night, a young girl made herself known to her and said, "Oh, can you help us? I need your help." But at the end of the night, she went and spoke to staff and said, "Look, I'm this girl's talking to us and and saying that she needs our help." And then when she dug a little deeper, there was uh, like a malevolent male spirit at the pub called Joseph. And he'd, it seemed, had murdered this young girl. And she eventually said to the members of staff, if you knock down that wall, you'll find evidence that this girl was here. That's not something you can fake unless you go back in time 200 years to when the pub was built and put something in the wall for it to be discovered later on. And I don't know why they did it because I mean you're taking the word of, of a psychic who you don't know. Yeah. Um, but they knocked down that wall, and they found evidence of the remains of a young girl behind that wall. And I don't know. I don't know how you can fake that. But there was a whole host of other stuff. So she tried to. Um, she said there was thirty-seven spirits at the pub who were all crying out for help. Basically, what happened was it seemed. There was a, a somebody who was connected to the pub back in the old days who was luring young children there from the village, murdering them and disposing of their bodies. And this young girl, Jessica, was one of them. And she was trying to help this girl, Jessica. And on this, on the recording that was being made at the time, there was a man's voice saying, I'm going to kill you. I'm coming for you, Suzanne, stuff like that. There was a whole load of stuff that happened. There was possessions. Suze, I, I was lucky enough to interview her, and it was the first interview she's done since this Why? night, 18 years ago. We talked for so long that I've had to put it across two episodes, parts, uh, episode seven and episode eight, the Wheat Chief part one and part two. Some of the stuff she told me has not been written anywhere before, and, and I didn't know. It was a, a crazy, crazy story, but the fact that she was able to tell me, she was able to tell the people at the pub, this is what you're going to find if you knock that wall down and they knock the wall down and found it. How how can that be faked? To come back to your to, to answer your question, I think there's something to yeah. it, but without knowing somebody, like unless I knew a medium really well and I knew they had a track record, it's a really really tricky one. It is a really tricky one. I mean, as I say, I did an investigation where Ian Lawman was there, who's on the TV right now on mm. Help My House I, Is yeah. Haunted or whatever it's called, and. And he's really famous, and obviously, like Derek Akora, Johan on Most Haunted, who uh, the late the late Derek Akora, who was revealed to be um, the, the stuff that he was doing on Most Haunted wasn't yeah. for real. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really difficult one. I think I think anybody who says I'm a medium or I'm a psychic is immediately off to a, a bad start purely because of the fact that there's a reputation that a lot of a lot of the people who have this gift or this talent. I'm making it up. I, I do think that there is uh, some form yeah. of mediumship, mm-hmm. psychic medium, whatever. Yeah. But I, I think that uh, the the people that do have what I call yeah. a real gift, uh, they yeah. don't talk about it. They maybe just they don't they don't talk about it. They just like they know what they've got and they don't need to talk about it. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. out there that do talk about it and maybe they're yeah. the ones that make it hard. It's like anything. It's it's like even like ghost hunting. It's yeah. there are the you know, you've got the the serious and you've got the other side. And it's you know, it's it's the yin yeah. and yang. Yeah, I yeah. think you need 
you need a, a little bit of both to to make it to you know to keep it sort of the ball rolling but um anyway so on that note i think we've come to the end of this episode totally fascinating and i don't want you giving away all of your 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 spoilers for your up and coming episodes because i i'm really looking forward to uh hearing them and i'm gonna highly highly recommend anyone listening to this episode if you you should you go to uh all the links are going to be with this uh, podcast, but you should go and listen to uh, Rob's episodes because they are really, really, really well put together. And you, and as I say, that some of the uh, original recordings that you've done from your rest investigations you've included, it gives it another dimension. You've kind of added to it. You sort of given an episode, but you've given that little bit, that little bit of a, a peek into an investigation as well. So, anyway, Rob, it just leaves me to thank you for coming on this episode. Have you got any final words before we uh, before we are on our way? No, I just I really, really appreciate being being invited on. As I say, my podcast's really new, and and to be given the opportunity to come along and have a conversation about. It. I mean, my favorite topic of conversation, me, is uh, it's been a real delight. So no, I, I, I truly appreciate it. And what I will say is, if anybody does come along and and listen to me podcast, please just drop us an email or or get in touch with us on Twitter and let us know what you think. I'd I'd love to hear from anybody because it's. It's really nice to think that, and I'm sure you 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 have the same feeling that there's somebody out there somewhere listening to something that you've put together. You know, like I, I'll be yeah. sitting at work and I'm thinking, you know what, there might be somebody out walking the dog who's listening to me talking about ghosts. And it's it's nice. It's really nice when people get in touch is, to tell you yeah. that they like what you're doing. So no, I, I, I thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to have a chat with you. It's been great. That's all right, Rob. I mean, I'd like to, uh, a little bit later on, I'd like to get you back when you've done a, maybe a few other investigations and yeah. we can sort of have a catch up. I've got a small group of people that I normally have on and sort of catch up with them now and again. But anyway, yeah, so all the links are uh, in, in the podcast and obviously paratalkpodcast.com for all of uh, other episodes as well. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, see you soon. Mm-hmm.